Welcome in to 11 Personnel. Nick Roush here with Adam Luckett. And as always, we're brought to you by our good friends at Monticello Bank. With 128 years of service, Monticello Bank is proud to say they go everywhere the Wildcats go. It means if you're in Canada following the team like our pal producer Stephen Peake is right now, or whether you're going down to Nashville for SEC Media Days like we will be next week, the Go NBC mobile app goes wherever you need to go. Or you can visit one of their convenient locations, 21 branches in 14 different markets. You can't be around for 128 years unless you have great service. And at Monticello Bank, that's where people matter. Find Monticello Bank on the web at mbcbank.com. Monticello Bank, where people matter. Remember, FDIC equal housing lender. Like it. I got it today. The bug bit me today. I don't know what it is. And... It's one of those things, too, that once we get into the grind of SEC Media Days, like by Thursday, a week from now, I'm going to be dead. But right now, I'm just salivating. So excited because, look at it. It's, it's like I'm seeing pictures of Gus with next to a Big 12 helmet and Scott yeah. Satterfield with the Cincinnati polo on. I'm just fired up, man. Football's here. I, yeah, I'm the same with you. Like, I've been watching Big 12 Media Days. Uh, I may have had the sound on for the Big 12 while the basketball game was playing yesterday. That's how excited I am. So, yeah, I mean, there's been some good stuff, I think, to come out of that already. Um, Neil Brown was throwing daggers at the media. Um, oh. They were picked last place, and he was like, that's bullshit pretty much, and was giving reasons <laughs> why he, they, they, they're not going to finish last this year. You know, and he's on the hot seat, obviously. Right, right. Mike Gundy talked about how this new clock rule – it's going to be like an NFL game where you get a lead with seven minutes left in the game. It's going to be easy to bleed out the clock. So you're going to have to be cautious of that. Then the next day, Gus Malzahn is acting like it's not going to matter. And, you know, my issues with Gus Malzahn, he puts that tempo hat on, hat on and he thinks it's going to solve everything. I kind of lean towards Gundy on that. If you can run the football late in these games, you're going to burn that clock. And, and, and towards the end of the half, the first half, too. I think it's going to be a huge deal to help. If you're in the business of shrinking possessions, shrinking games, versus playing tempo and creating a bunch of possessions, I think the former, this rule is going to help them out a lot. And I think Kentucky kind of falls in that. And so that's been uh, an interesting point to follow. Uh, Dave Aranda pretty much admitted, like, I made a mistake not using the transfer portal. We need to use that more if you're not using it. What the hell are you doing? So, uh, going different than Dabo Sweeney. So, there's uh, been some good stuff to go out of that, and I think we'll get some more when we get to Nashville next week. Sonny Dykes was my favorite, though. And that, uh, I didn't even that. get to that right. <laughs> he said Missouri went to more Big 12 championships than SEC, and it's like, remember when they won the SEC East the first two years they were there? But Sonny, he was a little uh, unplugged at the time. He was busy winning four games at Cal. Um, so he, he might have been a little distracted when Mizzou was uh, racking up dubs in the SEC. I, I don't know. I just love that, like, when you get the, the – sometimes it's kind of a roll the, of the dice. Like you don't know if you're going to get spicy or boring coaches. Right. And it does make sense that Sonny's coming off of his best year ever. I mean, he took freaking TCU to the college football playoff. You should come in like you're Vince McMahon, you know, strolling down the hallway. And watching them at Jerry World, 
it very much has the setting of a you know wrestlemania type event right where yeah. it's like i was gonna it, ask it, you that should so we big. like what is the sec why aren't we just doing this in the titan stadium See, I know Peter Peter Burns has made the sell do like the SEC nights or whatever, where you just oh, do it yeah. and you like you sell tickets, fans can go, and you like make it a prime time TV event, kind of similar to what the draft, you know, what NFL has done with the draft. I wonder if the SEC whatever, because it is a spectacle in Dallas. They have the mascots there, the bands there. They play like the fight song, and the mascots come out and do a cheer or whatever. And they're all in that stadium. It is a big spectacle, but SEC is uh, is a spectacle, but it's different. Uh, but the Big Twelve, right. I mean, it's, it's pretty. They they've made it like a pep rally almost. Well, Big Ten <laughs> didn't they do Lucas Oil last year? They do. They still do. They're, theirs is in they Lucas do. Oil. Mm-hmm. See, and I kind I kind of like like the College Football Hall of Fame is good because it has like a big feel, but right. it's not. You know, like it's got the high ceilings and everything, but it's not too. Like you're not just in this cavernous, empty stadium. So I'm fascinated by what the SEC setup will be. It would have yeah. been really cool if they just threw us in the ramen. You know, one of those, like, you want to talk about a venue, right? Like, getting us in this old historical music venue would be Or just send cool. us to Opryland, and it would have taken us two and a half hours to find out where the thing's oh set gosh. up. <laughs> just like uh, every every year at the Music City Bowl for their press conference, day before I, I, the game. I know we mentioned this six months ago, and I apologize to our listeners for hearing it again, but I'll die happy if I never have to go back to that place. Like, that is that is the Cracker Barrel of resorts, you know? And, like, I love Cracker Barrel, so that's doing it a disservice. Just, it's the Gatlinburg of, like, it, it's just, just Gatlinburg the music, has its the, ups. The Music City Bowl in general, just no thanks. Until they make it a big game, which it will be when they get that stadium built. It's going to get probably that New York New York New Year's Six rotation, right? Potentially host a national title, but probably going to host the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, let's pass on Music City Bowls until we get to that right to that point. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about SEC Media Days and what we expect to hear. But first and foremost, we took a week off, um, so we got to play some catch up. And I want to start with the commitments because lucky, I, I need. I think everybody needs to around the Kentucky football fan base needs to give you a, a whirl and hearty handshake because as soon as you left, the commitment started rolling in. And it was it was well done. But I'm uh, – so thanks, first and foremost. Secondly, which one were you most watching from afar and like, damn it, I need to get in the film room right now and start crunching some tape? Yeah, that's a pretty easy one for me here. Uh, Terry and Nichols. I think this is – a really big recruiting win. Like I think mm-hmm. this kid's going to be able to come in and play as a freshman. I project him to be a multi-year starter here. He's the type of player that they really they don't really get on the recruiting trail. You're talking about a top 200 corner back prospect. Um, he's got good testing data. He's run a 4-5-40 at this stage. He's got a broad jump over 10. Um, solid size, 5'11", 6 foot, 180, 85 pounds. Kind of the size of Carrington Valentine. So I think he's going to – and on tape, I think he's going to be able to play that boundary quarterback position for Kentucky. And you just kind of – and he's – when you watch him on tape, he's pretty good as an off-coverage defender. Uh, he's got good spatial awareness. So in zone coverage, he's going to be able to re-react, um, trigger down, tackle, but also has a physicality to match up with bigger receivers at the top of routes and cover. Just a really 
big recruiting win. Like, they, they just don't get – they haven't gotten one. They haven't got a top 200 cornerback in Mark Stoops' entire tenure. So this is a big win, and it was over, Nick. Big-time schools. Michigan and Penn State both wanted this guy. They beat out Michigan and Penn State uh, for Nichols. Alabama and Ohio State were both keeping the, keeping this recruitment warm, where if they would have missed on a couple targets, they were going to come in like on him. So this is a big-time recruiting win. And this is a guy, like for me, recruiting now, high school recruiting, it's more about, like I think you can take some swings on guys, and I think we're seeing Kentucky do that because you really need to find star power as high school recruits. And then you can find kind of, you can find complimentary role players if you miss on guys in the portal. I think we just saw Kentucky do that. You know, find some guys at running back, find some guys at tackle, find some guys at guard. And just kind of plug, find some guys at cornerback and plug them in. But to find stars, typically, you're not really doing that in the portal outside of quarterback, I would say. Uh, it's, it can be typically harder to find that. But you really need to find stars high school recruiting. And I think Nichols can be a guy, multi-year starter here. I think he can, like, I would project him to be a draft pick. Uh, he's a really good-looking prospect, and I think that was a really big recruiting win for them. The thing I liked about him is you see the anticipation on tape. Um, you know, like some of his highlights, the ball's just not even going there because he's jumping routes. He's cutting people off when they're trying to go across his face and slants and whatnot. And even when he does make mistakes, he's got the speed to be able to track yeah, down. Speed, I, right. Yeah, I mentioned it um, in the rapid reaction, but like when I was up there for his announcement, you know, I we spent once I got him talking ball, like. He was ready to talk, you know, like he was ready to go all day. And even after we turned the cameras off, like we're still just talking ball. Uh, he's one of those kids who just loves it, loves it, appears to have his head screwed on right. And that that's kind of that that's a great sign, I think, long term, because that's that's the hardest thing to evaluate. Right. Is what's yeah. going on between the ears. Um, whereas so to Ryan Nichols, I, I'm you're a big fan of him. The day before Kentucky got Elijah Groves and. I don't know what's going on between the ears, but on that tape, man, he's just a fun ball player. And like, I know that like we, we get a little, um, I think folks can get, we, we can be too technical sometimes. Like, well, is he fitting the runs? Is he keeping his outside shoulder free? And like all that stuff is important to an extent, but like this guy's just got pure athleticism, right? Like he's just blowing dudes the hell up. He's not wrapping up cause he doesn't need to. They're flying five yards back, you know, like they're, <laughs> The, the, the catches he's made. He just has fun tape where, I mean, when Bowden, did he do anything fundamental in his entire Kentucky football career? No, but it didn't freaking matter because he was just an ass kicker, right? Like, he was just a, a freak out there. And I feel like Groves, I know he doesn't play in the best uh, high school football classification in the state of Tennessee, but, like, he's just an athlete that's head and shoulders above everybody else. And I trust Brad White enough to be able to instill enough fundamentals in there to make it happen. And we've seen a track record with that with Jamin Davis, with Trevin Wallace, some guys who weren't technically sound at the linebacker position but had the athleticism, had the traits, and grown into quality college football starters at inside linebacker. Yeah, I would put Groves, Nick, up there with Cutter Bowley as high, high ceiling in this class. Yeah, If I mean, it hits, just... they're first-round picks. Yeah, like no full stop. Roof. Yeah. yeah, full stop. If it if it hits, the length. Hurt, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all there. If it hits, we're going to the draft to cover, to cover it, because they're going in the first round. 
uh, Groves, the position fit, it's, you know, you got to, where does that happen? And for me, like, how big does he get? How yeah, much does he yeah. fill out that frame? That's going to mm-hmm. say a lot. Uh, how big is he right now? How big does he get? That's going to say a lot in this. For him, he's an athlete playing football. Guys with his makeup, though, Nick, they usually stick. Mm-hmm. If you're long, can run, and can hit, you should be playing football. <laughs> I mean, full stop. You know? It's not It's not that complicated. If you're yeah, big, yeah. fast, and not, not afraid to knock people's block off, you're probably going to be pretty damn good at this sport. And I mean, it was made for big, strong people. Big, strong, and fast people. That's what this sport was made for. And he fits that build. That's great uh, so he's analysis. Got, I mean, I love it. so he's yeah. going to be, like, Blocking he's going to play. Don't don't overthink it. He's going to be a, a good player. It's just how good can he be? And where does yeah, he fit yeah. there? I think a guy like Isaiah Simmons is a popular comp, I think, going to be for him. Not saying, you know, Simmons is with the Cardinals, was a first-round pick, was a star at Clemson. But he didn't really have a position. Like, he plays nickel, yeah. he plays yeah. in the box, plays edge. They played him at some deep safety at Clemson. I think Groves might be a little bit in that. So they're going to have to find a spot for him. I would think they're just going to plug him into that will spot and, hey, yeah. see ball, go find ball, you know, run and hunt mm-hmm. and tackle. Uh, well, and then, we'll see, and then we'll see how big he – but if he, if he gets yeah. big enough, though, you, you potentially got a – you might have a versatile guy who can play off ball and who can uh, bend the edge and rush the corner on third downs. Yeah. So yeah. a very, very yeah. intriguing prospect, I think, there. And he's a uh, recruit with, I think, some upward growth, growth because he's just so raw – if he, mm-hmm. and they're gonna have to hold off some programs probably for him. But if he has a big senior season, you could potentially see him being like a Trevor Wallace, where he just blows up and becomes like a top one hundred yeah. recruit by the time December or February rolls around. There's no doubt about it. I'm I'm a big fan of Elijah Groves. A solid, solid recruiting win. And like you said, I and. I, I get the sense Nichols isn't really interested in dragging it out a lot, but for in Groves' case where he didn't have – I mean, it was NC State and Purdue were the yeah. two big ones. So Yeah, him uh, and Quavo Marshall are both SEC traditional footprint. You're talking about South Georgia. You're talking about Middle Tennessee. Some other schools are going to be – so you're going to have to fight off some guys to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. And I would put, even put Antoine Smith in there too if he has a big senior year. Uh, those guys, you could – some other schools are going to come for those guys, but at the same time, Kentucky's going to go, going to be able to flip probably some guys from other schools too. And so it's a long process. We're still, I mean, signing day still five months away. Yeah, we still got long a long way, to, way go. to go. But, mm-hmm. but right now you look at Kentucky's class; they got fourteen commits. They're probably Jason Patterson, Harley Gilmore, and Brian Robinsons are the names to watch here. Three, I would say over the next yeah. month. Mm-hmm. After that, they're pretty much in the nitpicking range, right? I don't think they're going to want to get more than 20 or so guys in this class, yeah. save room for the portal. Mm-hmm. And so where do you go? I, and I think what we're seeing in a lot of college football recruiting is most of these classes are wrapped up by July 4th weekend, essentially. Uh, most of the work is done. Uh, and so for Kentucky, I believe most, yeah. most of the hay's in the barn, but they really need to close on these last three and then – and then selectively recruit and use official visits to try to close on some or close or slash flip some other prospects. They did add a little bit of scholarship capital. Some news from over uh, from early in the week: Sam Anelli and Josh Jones uh, are medically retiring from football, which means that they get to stay on academic scholarship, but it's not counting towards Kentucky's eighty-five man limit. Uh, Anelli was one of those 
high ceiling prospects that didn't hit. South Florida. Uh, he t- yeah, he was a top 100 guy uh, in rivals overall. But from Nigeria, originally came over to play basketball. He put on some weight, but it just wasn't there. For whatever reason, it wasn't there. Josh Jones, a big dude in hell, even when we saw him at the bowl game, like, who is this guy? This guy's enormous. But just for in, in, in particular in his case, he had a lot of injuries here. Yeah, so I, think, I think he was. I think he had knee problems throughout. So, yeah, yeah. Never really um, had a chance. But, so he, he's the only guy Kentucky's been able to get out of Phoenix City Central there in South Alabama. But nevertheless, they at least were able to get one. Uh, best of luck to those guys moving forward. Uh, before we move off of the roster stuff, any of the other commitments you wanted to touch on? Because, um, like, I, I was—I'll say I was a little surprised they took um, Q. Was it Q Quay Scott? Sheed. Yeah, Quay Quay Sheed. Sheed. Yeah. Little, little surprised he was a take, and um, I also don't know what to make of David Washington, the receiver, because we've talked about it on here before. Mid three-star receiver, like, I mean, he looks fine on tape, but there's not like anything where I'm like gotta have him you know so yeah. I, I just I don't really know what to think about either of those guys yeah you on Washington you're right about the receivers those guys typically of that recruiting profile have not hit here uh, but you but this is Cohen and Woodward are different so you, I think you got to give them some benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. they weren't here before the scheme wasn't here before yada 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 Washington I think he's a true slot receiver Nick um, he runs good routes at this stage in his career he breaks tackles on tape, which is really important for me as a slot receiver. One of the reasons I wasn't super high on Anthony Brown at the beginning is because I just didn't see that on tape, and that's concerning because a lot of a slot receiver to me is generating after the catch, right? You mm-hmm. get the ball in, right. in the intermediate right. areas. It's creating yards after catch. Uh, so that was good to see. I didn't see burner speed, um, but there were some reports out there that he that I believe Kentucky maybe had him clocked in the low 4-4s. So – Maybe that might be something interesting. Now, Washington, he had a ton of interest and offers. Now, you have this is where the recruiting game comes in. He plays for just an absolute powerhouse. So, did he have offers just because he was on St. Joseph Prep? Or did he have right, offers right. because they were really interested in adding him? Uh, it came down to official visits. It came down to Kentucky and Virginia. Wisconsin was also involved on, any, on campus. So, that's who you beat out at the end of the day. I think – if he's your number three or number two receiver in the class, I think it's fine, but I think it's really important to get Harley Gilmore. As far as Quaysheed Scott goes, a little interesting take here. Okay. K- Kentucky's banking on their eval here to me, right? Quaysheed, I mean, they essentially won this recruitment over App State and Old Dominion. Um, Quaysheed Scott plays for a small school in South Carolina, plays both ways. Now, he actually has some breakaway speed on tape. Um, and he's reported that he ran a 4-4, low 4-4 Kentucky. I believe he mm-hmm. – at South Carolina camp, he ran an even better time. I believe they had him at 4-3-9. Now – Wow. And there, there were some other schools in on him that I get, think wanted him to camp. I think he only camped at Kentucky and uh, South Carolina. But he camps in South Carolina. They don't offer him. Camps in Kentucky. Kentucky offers him, keeps it quiet, and then gives him the green light to commit there on July 4th weekend. I think Scott, defensive back – I don't think he's an outside cornerback. Um, he told our Zach Gagan that he's playing cornerback. I would kind of put him at a kind of a nickel or safety potentially. Uh, again, he's got some traits. He can run. Uh, pretty good size. Um, he knocks people back on tape. But to me, Nick, this is – they're betting on traits here on a lower-level guy. I mean, it's got some bust rate, I would say. 
But I think they missed on some guys here. And I think they missed on some guys, and that created a spot for Quasheet Scott. Now, we'll see if it works. They've had some hit rate with this. Like, you get De'Eric Jackson earns an offer in camp. He's becoming a multi-year starter for you. Mm-hmm. You also got guys like Jacob Dixon, who didn't last a couple weeks in the program, that earned a right, camp offer. Right. Similar last year, you've got Brandon White, who kind of did the same thing. I think a lot of people are skeptical to see if he ever fits in anywhere. So, we'll see if it hits, but... I think they probably – I think this take was they missed on some guys. They wanted to get a body in here. And this is a guy, I think, with some high upside because of the physical traits. But I do – I mean, there's reasons, I think, to be skeptical about that because, like, they just missed on some guys. Babu Torre goes to Penn State, right? Um, Antonio White was another guy they were recruiting out of Lilburn, Georgia Parkview, Metro Atlanta. He picked Rutgers over Kentucky. I, I believe he was a take for Kentucky. And there's some other – like Brandon Joseph was a safety from Orlando. They got on campus with Kai Bates last summer. They never did – could get him on campus over this summer. So, yeah, I think they just probably missed on some guys and they're taking a guy with some ceiling. But for him, a lot of it's going to be what does he do this senior year? Does he have a big year? If he has a big year and you could see a little bit more with him, I think they might have something. But they, it's definitely, I think, a little bit of a roll of the dice here because you're betting well, on traits. In a class full of guys with this profile, it's a high, upseed, high upside, low floor class, but that kind of gets back to what I was saying earlier about how you, maybe you're taking bigger swings because you can find safer bets in the portal if things don't work out. That's true. I, I would feel a lot better if we had more of a track record on Collins' guys, like, you know, that are big swings like Jordan Robinson and the other Livingstone kid from this year, Kevin Larkins Jr. So I, I'm not, I'm not really yeah. sure how to feel one way or another just yet on those dudes. Uh, but we'll see. We'll we'll come to find out in the very near future. Um, but things uh, things seem to be going well in UK land. Um, things are not going well up in Chicago land. But before we get to that, I need to tell you about where things are always great, and that's with our friends at Bird Dogs. If you have not worn a pair of Bird Dogs shorts before, let me tell you, it'll change your life. It really will. Uh, the shorts, they come with a liner in them. You don't even need to wear drawers because they're so comfortable. Uh, and my favorite part, too, Lucky, is they have very much a feel that's like, I feel like I'm wearing gym shorts, but these are also, like, like but they don't look like gym shorts. You know what I mean? So you can wear them with your polo. Right and still feel classy or not it's it's they've got it all at bird dogs plenty of different styles and they got uh nice pants as well nice slacks uh that we're going to be rocking down at sec media days this week and if you haven't you want to try them out try them now use the promo code ksr or visit birddogs.com slash ksr you're gonna get this awesome yeti mug and like, it's, it's not a knockoff Yeti mug either. I've been drinking out of it all week. Fantastic products at Bird Dogs. The highest quality, the best of the best at Bird Dogs. Promo code KSR or birddogs.com slash KSR to try out a pair of shorts or their nice slacks today. Like it, Northwestern. I don't think we need to completely revisit the, the mess that happened. I'm ready to go and move on to what's next territory with Northwestern because this job opening is fascinating. Uh, 
it's the first time you have a very much um, all right. This is a power two job. It's not a power five. Yes, as our, as our colleague Andy Staples put it. Which, by the way, his show is uh, premiering next week, um, eight p.m. on the On Three YouTube channel. So if you're subscribed to KSR, subscribe to On Three as well. You'll be able to get that show eight p.m. Sunday through Thursday, and then it'll come out your podcast platforms the Monday after. But it's a power two job now. Like it's Big Ten and SEC. Mm-hmm. How? how much are people going to be chomping at the bit for this position with the baggage that comes along with it, even though they're already going to be spending some of that big 10 money. They're pumping in something like $800 million for a new facility there. After they already got a brand new facility. I mean, that practice facility there is gorgeous on the shores of Lake Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing here at Northwestern one, I would just want to start off and say, we truly don't know these people. Like, we think we get to know them, and we follow them, but you truly don't know, like, what's going on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just another perfect example of Pat Fitzgerald was – he was Northwestern football. He was from Chicago. All-American linebacker, played for their best team ever. Head coach dies of a heart attack. He becomes a head coach at 33, leads them to a winning season, and they respond from – goes on to coach there. They go to a couple – Big Ten championship games. They kick the, the crap out of Illinois almost every season. They're the rival in state, and they're just they're really competitive for a losing program consistently. And then this happens. I I think the administration kind of botched how they handle this. Oh, certainly they might get fired. Oh, and he if you take out the COVID year, he's like three and twenty four or something in Big Ten three and twenty. Yeah, three and twenty-four, and big or two and twenty-five in Big Ten play over the last three years. If they were pretty happened, good that year, though, and being seven yeah. and two in that COVID. Season. If it happens but, yeah. a few years before, then you know what? When Kentucky played a Music City Bowl, he probably doesn't get fired. I mean, that record probably had something to do with that. Oh, they averaged nine wins a year over that four-year period. Yeah, and it was if they wanted <laughs> to, they could have they could have wrote out the uh, the uh, PR storm. I mean, they just had, but they were just horribly planned, and then. The, uh, the student newspaper is doing all this stuff. I mean, it's a pretty crazy story. But that's been covered places. Moving on. Now, with Northwestern, Nick, after doing some digging, they really have only one booster. It's that oh. the Ryan family. Like, those are the people that are making everything happen. And they were really tight with Pat Fitzgerald. So you have to I'm wonder, sure. <laughs> are they going to be yeah. tight with the new coach? You know? Right, right. They're the ones that made the move for the facility. They're the ones... Mostly banking this eight hundred million, seven hundred million upgrade they have planned for Ryan Field, their stadium. So what does that happen with the new coach? That that is that's something to keep in mind with this job. But with that said, Northwest, you like the easy can take Nick is just all oh, these smart schools can't play, they can't win. Um, but the Big Ten has Indiana, Illinois, Maryland, Rutgers, Purdue. Purdue, they have all these sub-50 historically Min- recruiting operations. Minnesota, you, yeah. Minnesota. You can win at Northwestern, full stop. Like, coaches are going to see this job and think they can win, I think, because of that. Because talent-wise, oh. they're at the bottom, but there's a bunch of teams with them. And so in Chicago, if, like, you, you mean to tell me if you got shiny new facilities there, 
Like, yeah. you can't recruit there. Right. So, so with that, and I think Staples brought up a good point, is you do have to think about these jobs differently. Just, it's all about the Benjamins. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to be able to pay top dollar, and these other schools aren't. And for these Big 12 and these ACC coaches and the Pac-12 coaches, they have to think differently now with how they, they have to have a bigger picture of where the sport's heading, and they have to think, do I need to lock in a spot with a Big Ten or SEC school if I get the opportunity? Yeah. You just figure it out later when you get there. I think that's important to remember. Uh, so that's that. Now, if that ha- I think, like, I've talked about this on KS Board. I think Brad White makes a lot of sense here. You look at Mike Elko at Duke. You look at Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. Defensive head coaches. I think there's value in going defense first because everybody wants offense, typically. So you get these especially defense. in the Big Ten West. You know, I mean, and I know it's changing Brad, but still. Brad, Brad's a smart cat. Went to Wake Forest. He went to one of those he, nerd schools, right? He probably he, if he wanted to, he might have been able to get into Northwestern. Number one, um, he has experience at a small school. He has experience at a service academy. He coached yep. NFL in that area. Yep. I think he, he also fits. he's been in the SEC. You know, and he I mean, matches. I think he matches the mold of both Elko and Lee. Lee obviously went to Vanderbilt. I believe Elko um, went to us. Like he, I think he's known as being a smart guy. Um, so I think he kind of fits that. If Northwestern want, like if they, if you were the co- Adam Luckett's coaching firm, Brad Light would be on the short list along with some mm-hmm. other head coaches. I think in the. Big 12, specifically. Or ACC, maybe. Or ACC. Yeah. yeah, if you mean if you can get Clawson out of Duke or out of Wake Forest, I don't know how easy that would be. But, yeah, I think I don't think it's a terrible job now. Uh, we had the Coach O report. And, Nick, what were your Which, thoughts on that? that? that uh, I have thoughts. Oh, that that was de- – like, shout out to the Medill kids for doing some great journalism. Th- this Medill kid was trying to uh, – he was trying to strike while the iron was high. <laughs> took a source and ran with it. I love uh, Matt Brown, who does the Extra Points newsletter. He does a lot of the – you probably know him best from doing all the EA Sports news that he'll cover on that college football game. Uh, he tweeted, are we sure that Ed Orgeron knows the difference between Northwestern and Northwestern State? Which I saw that. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was a great line. Um, you would talk about culture. Or peg round holes. Yeah, yeah. Like, Co- Coach O can't play that game there. He can play it yeah. in some of these places. He ain't playing that game there. Uh, I have a better chance to be the next Northwestern head coach than Ed Orgeron. I mean, I just can't even imagine the conversations he would have, like with those boosters, like just all of it. You know, I mean, the only the only thing he has remotely in common with anybody from there is he could get in a super fan sketch and like fit in five, just going, "Bears," <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Full stop. Maybe maybe he could he could guzzle a hot dog or two down as well, but like that's yeah. Not now, Nick, there are rumors that Ed Orgeron likes to go out on the town, have a good time. <laughs> oh, not sure rumors. Chicago's the place for you there um, if you're trying to hide that. But maybe it is. Only, you know, in a small smaller SEC, you can't hide that. But in Chicago, maybe it is. Yeah, you can just blend in out there. I don't know how many places Coach O can blend in anywhere. You know, like it just, yeah, but Chicago's not – it's not like Nashville, you know. Like, it's an NFL town. After that, people aren't watching college football. If they are, they're watching the Big Ten. 
Like I, I guarantee you, Nick, he could go into a bar in Chicago, and I guarantee not many people would know who he is. Even that being other than said, wow, though, look at this big guy with a, a thick accent, this big yeah. loud barrel chested dude. The problem was it was like LSU. He would have lasted longer if he didn't, if it wasn't for all the other stuff, right? Like he had, yeah. he had a lot of other stuff going on that pissed off people, boosters, but you know, like it's he, a fair criticism. Other- We've seen it twice. He cannot run a program, like yeah, he's he's great in the short. But not in the long term. That's he's why not, he's the ultimate. He's interim yeah. O. Now, if you told me they wanted to bring him in to be for this year? coach for this year, then yeah. hell yeah, like I, I'd love it. Um, I mean, they were really. The difference is this team is really terrible compared to the teams that he was taking over. Right, this is a one eleven team um, that's coming back, and I, and I'm I'm going to assume that they're just going to ride with uh, one of the. Uh, they're just going to ride this out for a year, regardless, with their guys, and then completely flip things next year because. If you, even if you hired somebody, they aren't going to be able to hire a full staff of assistants to do uh, to start start a season in two weeks. So I, I'm I'm assuming that they're going to just do the interim for a year. The one I thought was kind of intriguing would be Tommy Reese, yeah, um, because he's you know he's another Chicago land guy that like if he if he did well at Alabama, I think there would be enough pull enough draw. He spent all that time at Notre Dame, like there there would be a, some draw there to think that he could do this on his own. Um, The other one, too, that I'm fascinated by is Dave Clawson. Yeah. Just because Wake Forest. How long you stay at Wake? Right. Right. And I didn't realize this until when Fitzgerald got fired, it was low-hanging fruit for me to do a Stoops longest-tenured coach post. Clawson got there a year after Stoops did. He's he's been at Wake for 10 years, and I just hadn't realized it. Um, That's a long time, and, you know, Whenever the like, eventually you if you're going to move up, like time's ticking, and this would check a lot of boxes, I think, for what he wants in a program. Yeah, I think old Matt Campbell here, I think oh, someone man. to watch. That wouldn't he, that be hilarious if like all these years when he's been, Bruce Feldman's made him like the number one coach on all these lists, that he just ends up at freaking oh, Northwestern. I <laughs> I have even felt some crap for having him too low on some uh, coaching rankings I've done in the past. <laughs> but, like, for him, can't get like, – getting players at Iowa State is very hard for them. Yeah. The offense has just been terrible after Brock Purdy. It was really just one year, but he fired the OC. He promoted in-house. Don't know how that's going to work. He doesn't strike me as a portal guy, so he's probably going to want to go somewhere where he doesn't have to do that. Like Northwestern, I think, checks a lot of boxes for them. It's in that region. I think Northwestern has a higher recruiting ceiling than Iowa State. They've got the Big Ten cachet. He's in, he. I think he wants to coach in the Big Ten long term. Mm-hmm. I think That's it his makes, footprint, right? He can recruit Ohio, Illinois, all of that. He can recruit all that there. I think that would make some sense, and it would allow him maybe to reset a little bit and maybe go in a different direction on offense without hurting his cult, you know, he's big, big culture guy, doesn't want to hurt anything, wants to do everything in-house. If it's something new, you can go a little bit out of house, out of structure, yeah. and go get somebody. And you may might be able to spend more money to go hire a coordinator. I think that makes some sense for him, especially if I, we look up in Iowa State's 3-7 and seven, heading into November. Uh, and so I think that, that makes a lot of sense for him. That, that, that would be one to watch. 
David Shaw is a name thrown out, but I don't think they can hire him because they had like the strength coach uh, accusations where players got injured or something. So I don't think you can hire him, even though I get the allure. But, yeah, I think that's kind of – it's going to be an interest, very interesting search, and they got a lot of runway here. But they got to get through this first, and they got to get the Ryan family on board because now they've already got – they've got teachers at the school trying to stop, as as often teachers do at big institutions. Freaking nerds. Just, don't, the nerds don't want the uh, man ball getting all the money. Yeah. So yeah. you got to get through all that and – I will say that AD, like he was on vacation and he just disappeared and didn't. They haven't even had a press conference, Nick. I don't know how you haven't had a press conference. That's. I know they just wanted to go. That away, shows but like that. That shows you how much Northwestern matters up there. Like it's not. It's just not a big deal. Like they're just not a big deal up there. It's like a high school up there. Yeah, I, I um, the the thing that's gonna be fun about this opening too is. We're going to kind of forget about it. It's almost like when UofL, I think it was, yeah, when they, when they got Kenny Payne, where they fired Chris Mack halfway through, you know, in January or whatever it was, and you forgot that it was in the mix for all of these openings. Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like we're going to get to coaching carousel season, and it'll be, you know, last week of November, and people are like, oh, don't forget that Northwestern's also open. Um, so, I, a lot of what I think what's going to happen too is how many other big time jobs are going to come open uh, yeah. during the stretch and yeah, we don't know, know. What, right. what are they competing against. So, uh, but fascinating stuff in Northwestern from a coaching search perspective. We don't necessarily need to go into the nitty gritty of all the hazing and the ins and outs of all of that, but we do need to get into the ins and outs of what's going to happen next week in Nashville at SEC Media Days, where we're going to have a scandal of our own that we're going to be covering to an extent because, as you said on Monday on the KSR Football Podcast, uh, Dom Toretto, Kirby Smart, he's – he's. Well, did you see what came out today? Oh, we've got new I, – I saw where they held the press conference and they, they demanded a retraction. Well, the uh, AJC came back today. Oh, they responded. I believe – I haven't really dug into this yet. No, it wasn't necessarily a response. It was – a girl is suing Georgia, UGA, for, I guess, negligence. And I think she was in the car wreck, and she was a staffer. Um, mm-hmm. But they've got some other issues that I really wasn't aware about on Monday after doing digging in. I think this was what Freddie was alluding to more. Um, Adam Anderson, who was the star edge rusher for them, got kicked off the team right at the cocktail party in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had got accused of rape for a for and there was a girl who at one time worked for Georgia football um, and since then I think he's been he's got another charge against him for that same thing uh, well they kicked him off the team but there there's a freshman or he'll be a he'll be a freshman I believe on the team this year a defensive lineman from North Carolina he's got a sexual assault or he was accused of sexual assault during his recruiting visit now, mm-hmm. I believe those charges were dropped. And apparently, Kirby Smart, on his staff, Nick, has a fixer. Uh, he's basically a former lawyer or a guy who used to work for a law firm or something. Whenever those players get in tr- whenever they have an issue, like when Jalen Carter and them got in the race and the two, the, yep. 
Madison LaCroix, I believe her name was, and Devin Willock died. He was the first one on the scene. And he's the first one to talk to the police, usually. Like, if there's something up, he goes. I didn't realize he had that. Like, that's kind of like, why do you have that? (laughs) Why do you need that? Right. Yeah, why do you need that? Um, So that's interesting. And so the AJCs, they've been kind of – they've been going at Georgia really all offseason with stuff. You know, the the racing stuff hasn't stopped. There's guys have gotten citations continually. That this stuff. I mean, there's a lot going on. So now at, at, the, at that yeah, at that press conference they had two AJC reporters there, not their crime guy or their investigative uh-huh. reporter. I I don't have his name on top of my head, didn't write it down before. But he was the guy he that wasn't wrote there. the report. Yeah, but he's that, been the guy yeah. who's written 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 a lot of this stuff and I'll be like right, to media days. I'm that's intriguing. When is Kirby go Tuesday? I think he's Monday. Monday? Yeah. Um, but and, and good on the AJC. No, you're right. It was uh, Tuesday, Tuesday morning. But good on the AJC, though. For like, you need to have somebody around like that because that that's not the case everywhere. Like, there's a lot of places that will just let you kind of get away with murder, for the lack of a better term. And I, I know that might be a little too. Uh, but like, you you need somebody there who's at least asking the right questions. Now, as far as like. Like I, I thought at least some of what Georgia was saying back when they demanded the retraction, it was like, hey, you said there are 11 guys, and then you only talked about three. Where, who are the other eight? Like, tell us, because we'll happily take care of it. But ultimately, a lot of what this comes down to is that Kirby's lack of transparency and his discipline, it's just going to raise a lot of questions. So he's going to come back. Last year, he was feisty from a, like, uh, that wasn't one year. We're here to show that we're a program. Well, it's the rat poison. Like, they're not going to eat rat poison kind yeah. of thing. And now it's it's more of a question of, like, at what cost are you – what's the cost of doing winning at Georgia? And is it worth it? Um, and, and I'm fascinated to hear how many questions about that he gets versus uh, versus the, like, good old boy, touchdown Alabama, is Carson Beck good at football sort of stuff. So – that, that part's going to be fascinating to me. Um, I'm also wondering, too, do we get any of that residual Hugh Freeze? Like, is, is he is he going to have to – because he's the same day. So all the big J's, your, your 40s, all of them, they're still going to be there. And so are we going to get questions like, hey, are you still DMing sexual assault victims on the reg, Hugh? Like, how, how's that going? Are you in control of well, your own Twitter account anymore? We're getting a monologue from Brother Hugh. God, so, um, I mean, training out Hugh Freeze for Mike Leach is just like a kick in the groin. I mean, yeah. Well, I, yeah, that, I don't. That's, I, that's a tough. That's a tough yeah, to switch. I just think. Well, last time he was at a media days, I believe he went on. He only took like two questions because this thing lasted. Gold I mean, What are they up there? Twenty minutes, and he did like an eighteen-minute thing. I mean that's a that's the Auburn way, right? Harson used to do that too. This first year, yeah. Second year, he just told him to all f off, pretty much. Yeah, and then they told him to f off, and he yeah. got the hell out of town. Um, I uh, I do think that Mississippi State. Well, before I get to that, A and M and LSU are both on day one. Yeah, that those are going to be some talked about teams, and what's what's fascinating to me is Jimbo's going to get a lot of heat. Yet at the same time, there's high expectations there. Like, 
being second in the West is kind of a, where he has to be in order to cool his seat off. It's a, it, and I know we've made this comment before, but it's almost kind of like Cal, right? Where it's like, is Final Four uh, too much to ask for expectations? Yeah, but it's kind of where you need if you want people to shut up, you know? So, uh, Jimbo, Jimbo's going to be... Yeah. To me, it's not even that. It's just them being good. Like, they really only had one season where they were... I, I, I should say two. They had two. Uh, the 2018 yeah. season, they were good. And then they had the year... Was it two years ago? Where they beat Bama. And, yeah. Which is well, yeah, twenty twenty one they beat Bama, but they really didn't have a good season. But they had quarterback; their quarterbacks were injured. Like Calzado was right, playing yeah. for them. So they were like eight and four, but they got a Bama win at home, so you yeah, know, you felt good, it, just enough. But I, I, but my point, Luckett, is he's had a lot of those things where he's done enough to kind of pour some water on the fire a little bit. But I don't know if there's any like no. I, I think they're just sick of it. And they're like, no, like do more than just enough, like exceed our wildest expectations sort of deal. And yeah, I think that's – I think he felt that sense of urgency, and that's why he was like, all right, I'll go get Bobby Petrino. Yeah. Um, he'll get a Texas question, too, and he'll take some dig at the Longhorns. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's – he's going to be – they're in it. I mean, they might be the most interesting team in the SEC because yeah. of Bobby Petrino, his contract, the pressure – to win now, the roster like you've got all these ball players like you need to go win some games. So yeah, that'll be definitely something to follow early in the week. Here's a and then how, question for and then you. How, how how quick does Saban get visibly upset about the quarterback questions? Oh man, he's he's gonna he's gonna address it to like in his monologue to try to like not. I know you're asking about quarterback. He's gonna try to address it. And somebody's going to ask it. I kind of want you to ask it just so he can, like, lecture you again. You want um, me to get just verbally gonna, taken to the woodshed again? I mean, because he's just – it's going to piss him off. You know, it's the – No, nah, but I, I have a way. I can, I, I, not, he jokes so with me. Like, we're on that kind of level. It's just kind of yeah. just two boys talk shop. You know, it's not I'm like – I'm not changing, so quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not doing it, so it? quit asking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Here's yeah, that was the last time about. we had a QB issues with him. That's what we got. Yeah. Who – how does Kentucky make a splash this week? Like, what? what is it that people will say about Kentucky big picture? Because, I mean, J.J. might do something that's splashy, but for the most part, these are not uh, real buzzy kind of players that Kentucky's bringing. Well, one, it's going to have to come from Stoops. And it'll probably be on the schedule, the 8-9 debate. Yeah. He usually gives a feisty answer when asked about that. He will, I bet, Seth Emerson from The Athletic, because he's the one that kind of, one of the bigger ones that writes about all the time, or could be well, some one of the national guys. Yeah. That's been covering that, Ross Allen, some of them. He's going to add, and he'll, they will get it at some point, whether it's on ESPN Radio or up there with Fine Bomb or in the room, or maybe even with your all in the scrum with the meet, with local media. He will give some, I, I would say, some borderline feisty quote on that about where Kentucky stands and where they want it to be. That would be my prediction. Because well, um, Eli, Co- Eli Cox too. is, uh, he's very like, I would imagine he's an SID's favorite player to send out. Oh, 
You don't need Tony Neely doesn't need to be telling him any instructions going into it's, it. Um, you're not. He don't have, like. He's very pro in that. He answers questions without answering the question. Mm-hmm. He gives short answers. <laughs> gets in and out of questions fast, and because of that, he gets in and out of media sessions fast. And so, like that, like that, they brought him here. I was not surprised at all. Uh, and then. JJ can be a walking soundbite at times. Um, there was a time last year where he was just pretty like Cohen's first year in the summer. He was just telling us who was starting who, <laughs> where was doing this that. Uh, yeah, we like yeah. knew everything. Like I said, all we need we don't even know need to go to practice. Just give us JJ Weaver yeah, every day, we'll and tell. we would find out everything. Yeah. I, I'm curious if. Like when we had Josh Pate on here and some of the guest hosts on KSR, like a lot of the SEC talking heads, for lack of a better term, have talked about Devin Leary and that people aren't giving him enough of credit. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if that also becomes a bigger, like if we show up and all of a sudden people are saying like Devin Leary's great, you know, like he people he should be the best quarterback in the SEC, not. Jane Daniels yeah. or KJ Jefferson. I'm, like I, I'm wondering if like Jordan Rogers is going to have a tape like that or something that gets. Yeah, Cohen's going to get up. some shine. He'll get some shine from some national it's guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got ahead of that Nick this week at KSR Plus. Subscribe right now. We got a flash sale going on. One American dollar. Oh yeah, do it now. One dollar, three months, and then you can just do a year for fifty percent off, which is like forty bucks. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So lock, lock it in. In. SEC Media Days, or not really, SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Typically, who wins this award is one of the best players in the country. A lot of times it's a Heisman Trophy winner. And -hmm. it's typically a player who's led their team to an outstanding season. Hendon Hooker last year. Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow, obviously. A bunch of national championship winners on there. Trey Mason in 2013 when Auburn had their big breakthrough. On and on and on. Uh, So typically, that's... a Cam Newton, yeah. That, yeah, that's a big time. That's a big dog that wins that award typically. But we're entering a year where picking your quarterback for the first team isn't easy. There's yeah, legitimately I, four or five guys you could pick, and you could have, a, I think, a pretty healthy debate. Where last year was, if you didn't pick Bryce Young, if you yeah, didn't pick trophy winner, yeah. Yeah, what are, you're right. just being, you're well, being different even, just to be different. Even with Mike, like, you know, I, I would have even had Will Rogers in the mix if Mike yeah. was still there, just from a production standpoint. Uh, we're, we're filling out, we're sharing our selections, what we're voting on on Friday. And I, I, I went back and forth between KJ Jefferson and Jaden Daniels. I, I didn't know, I didn't know who to put there. Like, I just kind of, I mean, they're who do you think's going to have a better season? From a, and, and ultimately, I, I decided like, well, if Jefferson's healthy then I think he'll matter more to his program than maybe yeah. Jaden Daniels might. But like that, I think he's better if he's healthy. Yeah, me, me yeah. personally. So like it, it's it's. But where does Leary come into that mix too? I, I think is the point where you're ultimately getting at because if he exceeds expectations and Kentucky's second in the East and they end up going to a New Year's Six game, then he could yeah. very much be in that conversation. Yeah. So pretty much, I I wrote this out and was like, whoever wins this award. That's maybe who, what you should be trying to find. Instead of who's finding the sneaky team, find the guy who you think is going to win this trophy, and that that's going to be the team that has a breakthrough season. Uh, and so I I tried I tried to pull as many realistic candidates as possible. I got to eight. You know, Quinshawn Jenkins at Ole Miss is an obvious yeah. one. Uh, 
Carson Beck but at I, Georgia just because he plays quarterback for Georgia. Um, I put Juice Wells in there because he's the best re- returning receiver, I think. And he's – I don't think Rattler's going to win it, but he's got the connection with Rattler. And he, a lot of people are high on him. Like, you could see him going for 1,600, 1,700 yards and maybe pushing for mm-hmm. All-American honors. That could be good enough to win it. But then you got a, you know, a bunch of quarterbacks. Like, I had Jaden Daniels and K.J. Jefferson in there. I had a Connor Wegman in there at A&M because if they have a breakthrough yeah. – it's probably good, yep. and I Joe Milton obviously, right, uh, and then right, right. I threw Leary in there, and I think Leary preseason. I think he's a real candidate to go out and have the year because if you if you kind of if you write it out on paper just with Kentucky, right, right, the whole lines you, they have first off to start what they have, they have a play caller that everybody thinks is good. The last time here put together a top ten success rate offense. They were awesome last time he was here. You have legitimate star power at receiver. Barry and Brown and Dan Key, I, I would be comfortable saying they're both going to be top 100 picks when they come out for the draft. Like, you have a legitimate star power at receiver. You have a good college third receiver in Tavian Robinson. Like, last year was not good, but I've seen him play good football in college. You have a good tight end room. Jordan Dingle's got, I think, NFL upside. Josh Caddis is... Our hero at 11 personnel. And then at running back, you've got – they're just going to be able to find some guys. I feel very confident in that. I think the floor is pretty high. I think the ceiling's probably a little low. But they're going to be able – they're going to be competent, more than competent at running back. Um, and then all lines, big question. But you go out, you get two starting tackles. You're going to be better than you were last year. They've got all these starts now. They should not be ter- – they should be middle of the road. So if you have all of that, all the pieces are there for Leary to me – to have this big season, right? Protection mm-hmm. holds up, good play caller, good weapons. You got pros outside. All, all of it sets up for him to really potentially get there. You can draw it out, especially when you look at the schedule. Like he can get off to a really fast start. Yeah, and really do ga- some stat padding. Yeah, right. Like put up some first three games. Numbers. Like if you go down to Vanderbilt and he puts like say he gets a hot start and he's throwing for three hundred thirty yards a game and then he goes down to Vanderbilt and throws. 284 touchdowns, 22 or 25 yeah. or something. Kentucky puts up 35 points, wins 35-17. Everyone's like, oh, look at what Leary. And then it sets the stage for like a huge October against Florida and Georgia. Well, I get Florida's September, but it might as well be an October game, September 30th. Uh, I, I think it's there for him. In Kentucky's season, there's going to be some big – if they hit where they're supposed to hit, they should be. I don't think it's an unfair expectation to be 6-1 and one, October 28th, Tennessee comes to town in a game that could be for second place in the East. Yeah. Uh, and then if you yeah, got a no quarterback like that, if Leary's having a year and he maybe leads you to win there, I think the path is there for him to really have type of kind of a big season. And I, I don't think it'd be crazy if we look up November and he's like him running for best quarterback in the SEC. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. A lot of that is, I think, Nick. I believe SEC Mike has done quarterback rankings. Brad Crawford did some this week. Mm-hmm. And to me – I can't believe who Mike, who Mike had. Graham Mertz was towards the bottom, though. Yeah. And I don't think Graham Mertz is terrible. <laughs> like, I think he can play quality football at times. I've got Brady Cook as my, as my bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think – I don't think those guys are terrible. Uh, but I don't well, – the, like the, the ceiling the, is not very high, what, I would, what, I was, the, what I'm getting to. Yeah. Yeah. The point you made about the running backs today, too, with – Etienne and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name now. It's escaping Montreal me. Johnson. 
Yeah, like they, 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 they if they can block, they're going to be able to run the ball. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I, I like the scenario that you kind of unfolded. Like there, there certainly are some challenges, but that that is what's fun about SEC media days, right? Is hearing basically you have all of these takes out there. You're taking in information, and I'm all you're also formulating strong ass opinions on teams. Like I'm, I'm strongly out on Ole Miss this year. Like Judkins surprised us last year. But they yeah. have a very, very soft schedule. They got Tulane in week two. I know it's at home, and that isn't the same Tulane team that won the Cotton Bowl last year. But they won the freaking Cotton Bowl last year and beat USC. You know, like, that's a good ball team. They got to go to Georgia and Alabama. They got LSU at home, but, like, they got a very tough schedule. I think when we get to win totals, I'm going to be uh, awfully intrigued uh, at that seven, seven and a half number that they're currently sitting at now. Um, so, I, it's – that's what's fun. That's what's fun about all this is you finally, you, you really get to, this is a great time to get to know all of the teams and kind of be able to start duking it out online over who's better than who. Like, I cannot wait to sandbag the hell out of South Carolina and Shane Beamer. Like, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we're going to be down there. We're getting there Monday morning. Greg Sankey will take the podium at 1230 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, is when all the festivities get going. The SEC Network's got coverage, starting with SEC this morning at 8 a.m. So you'll be able to watch all the action there. We're going to be here on the KSR YouTube channel. And make sure you're subscribed to 11 Personnel on your podcast feed and KSR Football Podcast. We'll be doing a little juggling back and forth between the two of them, between me, Luckett, Drew, and Freddie. Um, but we're going to have a lot of stuff on YouTube, talking to some of your favorite SEC, ESPN personalities. Uh, so it's just, there's just a lot. There's a lot to chew on all week long. And make sure that you're locked in here. You're subscribed. You, KS join Ford, K- we're going to have a ton. Just join. You just need to join that. Well, one, I'm going to have, we're going to have some more in-depth stuff and some X's and O and personnel stuff. I'll be writing some stuff while we're down there, stuff we learn. But the message board, the behind-the-scenes thread. You're gonna to want to be on there. Just trust us. That's yeah, gonna be yeah. fun. Just yeah. get that join for especially, that reason, the dollar. Join right now for that reason. Especially once we get out and about. Um, and Nashville, like, this is gonna be a different animal, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like we didn't have I mean, the message. I don't think we had the Tootsie's is gonna be a scene. Yeah. Tootsie's is gonna be a scene, right? Like where there's gonna be a who's who of journos and, to- and talking heads and Tootsie's. So. Tootsie's never going to see it in Tuesday night like this. So, like, this is going to be a scene. So, join the behind-the-scenes thread is going to be um, – It's going to be worth You're going to want to be on there. It's going to be worth and do we, yeah. Hell, we yeah. might even see Shane Beamer on a Monday night at Legends. Who knows? Wednesday night at Legends, whenever the night, the night before there. Um, he might be recording a podcast there. I mean, who knows what we'll see down there. Oh, he, how, many pod, how many radio row appearances is Shane Beamer going to make? Right, like they're gonna have to put Prime out of there just so he goes to the podium, you know. Yeah, um, which hell, we, I, I want him to see. Do we? Maybe I'll ask him about Dow Loggins. So, what do you really think? Because <laughs> 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 I'm seeing here, Shane. Walk walk through this hire you, with me because often you just name, like read off his career stats as a play caller. Okay, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Gene in the then him find Gene in the crowd? I got you, Gene, and just sit down. <laughs> drop the mic and it's Thursday. Oh, yeah. Drop the mic and just walk out. 
Hey, Gene, I got your back. All right, Shane. Uh, <laughs> Al Wagon's here. Oh, I'm oh, kidding. Oh, man. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have a ton of fun. And uh, on three is going to be on Radio Row. So Andy Staples will be there, J.D. Piquel. Um, and then we're going to be doing some of our interviews there as well. So if you want to hang out at the Hyatt, uh, the new Hyatt downtown Nashville. Come, yeah, come I have even no Hyatt. idea what it's even going to look like here because it's going to be totally oh, it's different. it's a new place. Like no, the SEC Network's doing a whole big show Tuesday night on Lower Broadway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be a scene for, down there. For, for the sure. Midland concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So should be a great time. Can't wait to see you down there in Nashville for our good friends at Bird Dogs, Monticello Bank. He's Adam Luckett. I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Kroger.